I know those guys, the musicians' fingers would wear thin, but then we could keep that going for a while. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of worship. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll pick it up where we left off in verse 17. Try to work our way through the end of the, this chapter. The faith walk is a choice. I think one of the issues that we face in our walk with God is whether we're waiting on God or is God waiting on us. Is there something that I should be doing or am I to wait for him to, to do something so that I can respond? And this is part of the, the, the struggles that we have an understanding. Everything in, by prayer, right? Everything by prayer. And, and sometimes it's one and sometimes it's the other. The mystery of walking by faith. But what Paul has been telling us and telling the Ephesians, look at all that God has done for you. So in one sense, if God has done all these things for us, that puts the ball in our court. We need to respond to what he's already done. You know, in light, you know, the idea is in light of what he's done, then this is what we ought to do, right? I mean, that's sort of the, the idea there. We're to be doers of the word. That's what he tells, tells us, or James tells us that as well. And don't just listen and, you know, look in the mirror of the God's word. Oh, man, I really need to check. My hair needs help, you know. My face, I got a dirty face. I need to clean that off. And, and then, you you know, spiritually speaking, we see there's some things that we need to deal with, but we walk away and we just forget about it. We leave our faces, spiritual faces, with smudges. Our spiritual hair with a, a wreck. You know, seeing what Jesus went through and what his, his heart, I mean, the whole you know, as it were, the, the apex of his ministry all culminated in that last night with the disciples and his prayer that we might be one. We were one. Adam and Eve were one in the beginning. And he wants to restore that which has been taken from us. And that, that is the thrust of what he was working for. And now his finished work has provided that. There's nothing lacking in what God has done. The ball really is in our court in re- God in, re- in regards to responding to what we read and what we do. And, and so this is the application of all that. You know, as we have gone over this several times, what's been provided for us in chapter 1. You know, if we're going to, you know, in the in the near context here, now at the beginning of this chapter where he starts off uh, talking to these believers who are living actually well below of what has been provided, well below really what they know. They know a lot more than they're actually living out. And they're beginning, you know, I think there's probably some doubt. Is it really, that sounds too good to be true. I mean, there's that aspect of it. But when every time you hear the word read, 
or see the word therefore, you need to ask yourself the question, what is that therefore? <laughs> and the therefores are there for a reason. This is what God has done. This is what we should do. And, and the whole thrust for this Ephesian church and for us is that we might walk worthy. And to walk the walk of faith, to walk worthy before God is a choice. That means we, the ball is in our court. We must choose to do the right thing. If we're going to experience unity in the church. We're going to experience this oneness that we have with Christ, His very heart. It will be because you and I are continually, daily making faith, wise faith choices. We're, it's a choice. We're going to do what we know is right. You know, it's only going to be a reality if we respond to what we've been taught. If we apply the, the Word of God to our lives, the instructions that we have from the Word of God. Think about this. We have every spiritual blessing. Our eternal destiny is, is, is decided. And so this whole idea that, well, it doesn't really matter what I do, whatever God's ordained is going to happen. That is a serious cop-out, by the way. Of course God's going to accomplish His purpose, but what about you? How do you fit into that plan? Do you think it just your life just happens because God has thought about it? No, you're a free moral agent. Get with the program. Do your job. Respond to what He has done. If you don't respond, then you know you can have all the you walk into a banquet hall and you're starving to death, and there's a a la carte waiting for you. And all you have to do is walk up and apply it to your plate and go sit down and eat it. If you don't do that, you're going to starve to death. And, you know, so, well, you know, it's whatever the cook put on the table. I mean, it's all there. It's all going to happen. <laughs> well, yeah, but not for you unless you apply yourself. And this is, I see this whole thing. It's, it's this, you know, fate, the great God fate, you know. I haven't met him yet. I don't know that he exists. Only in the figment of people's imaginations as a cop out because they don't want to do the right thing. They don't want to. They don't want to walk by faith. I mean, I had trouble with this. I went through a spell, so to speak. Of you know, it's actually just schooling. You know, it's spiritual education. As you walk with God, He teaches you, right? So I used to run a lot when I was younger you know, three or four days a week. And I was having one of those little, you know, moments. And it's like, yeah, Lord, sometimes I just I just really don't like walking by faith. I just, you know. And the Spirit of God just arrested me immediately. And I mean, really, literally stopped me in my tracks. And said, Why do you hate what I love? Whoa. I think I crossed the line. That's really what I was saying to him. We need to learn to embrace the walk of faith. God loves that. Seeing the unseen, take, just simply taking God at his word because he said it without any evidence beyond what he has said, just because he said it, that is, should be enough. It, and it is enough. We just got to believe it and respond to it. So I, just for the record, I never went down that road again. <laughs> <laughs> I got that one. <laughs> you know, I might be thick, but I got that one. So it remains for you and I daily to, to make wise faith choices.
And so he goes into this particular section, and this is the issue. He, he brings us all back, not just the Ephesian believers, because this is applicable to all believers. He brings them back to B.C. days, beginning in verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, having given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you might put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So here we are. We have this choice to make. Think about what is it mean this idea if we're going to walk by faith means we're going to leave off this feudal living this Gentile paradigm and mindset that we have previous to salvation and Jesus told us exactly what that meant what does it mean to have a Gentile mindset or to as he says to not walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk how they live walk as lifestyle what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? And what are we going to wear? It's all about the physical. The Gentile mindset, and we can probably all testify to this, we can't get beyond this horizontal axis. It's what we, f- the five senses, it's what we see, it's what we hear, it's what we feel. It's all about f- taking care of the natural man and satisfying the lusts that each of us have in our own desires that's our perspective this physical realm we cannot see or even begin to comprehend that there's an unseen realm around us that's a greater reality than the one we see with an experience I can tell you and most of us know this if you live in that realm and you think in that realm and that is the bane of your existence you're headed for disillusionment because that it it is it promises us certain things and it cannot deliver that's why we call it deceitful god created life for mankind he created us to experience eternal life that is his life he is eternal life and his abiding in us that life is how he created us to live in it and experience it And that's what Adam and Eve had right from the start. It was uninterrupted in the beginning. But then it was interrupted by the fall. And that's thus, for you and I, there has to be a healing, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But that's after the Gentiles. But then he goes a a bit deeper. It doesn't really matter if you're a Gentile or a Jew. After the flesh, what does he mean by after the flesh well that's your fallen nature everybody should know that by now 
That's how we were born into this world. David said, I was altogether conceived in sin. You know, that's the opposite of Freudian psychology. The innate goodness of man. Well, that's not what the scriptures teach. Jeremiah is very humble and honest about himself. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Nobody. Nobody really knows the depth of their heart. We learn it if we're paying attention when we get exposed to the truth and realize that we've crossed the line. We learn how desperate we are and desperately wicked. Thank God for his mercy. And until God interrupts that, we are under the control of those natural desires of that nature, you, of that sin nature. You know, you might desire one thing, I might desire another, but it's all natural. There's a breach. There's a breach between the soul of man and the spirit of man, and that's why you and I are in desperate need of healing. Only God can heal that breach between the spirit and the soul, because the spirit is... The avenue by which we make contact with God. We commune with God through our spirit. That's why the Gentiles who do not know God cannot commune with God because their spirits are separated from God, spiritually dead. That's what happened with Adam and Eve when they chose wrongly. And now, and that's what David was saying. I was born into sin. I was born spiritually separated from God. I'm dead spiritually speaking. But I'm made, when I'm made alive and healed, now I can begin to understand and know God. we got to see ourselves as in desperate need of that healing before it becomes healed. If you're not willing to admit that you need healing, spiritually speaking, and need to be born again, well, it's not going to happen. You have to want it. God doesn't impose that healing upon anyone. So that's after the flesh. Now let's look at what Paul says in regards to that having their understanding darkened, alienated, verse 18, from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. We can unpack that a little bit. Not understanding things of God. Paul's explicit in the Corinthians. The natural man does not understand spiritual things. He doesn't understand the things of God. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. He cannot understand them. There's a darkness there. There's death. And because of that, he is alienated because of his ignorance. And now this word ignorance means sinful ignorance. And I can attest to this. When a person's living after the flesh and after the sin nature, you are just drawn in and blinded by it. You can't see the consequences of living that way. You... You, you might come across your thought. You might think in your mind, "Why am I not happy?" <laughs> but they don't understand the consequences. And I think this is, you know, I start. You know, all of us are paying attention to what's going on in this. You know, people trying to burn our country down, right? I mean, these they have no clue. Of course, we know a lot of these are hired mercenaries. They're being paid by whoever. They're hired to, you know, bring, drop off the bricks and let's throw bricks, boys and girls. I mean, just destruction. This is not peaceful protest, by the way. <laughs> not in any stretch. Yeah. That's all i got to really say about this. I mean, this is not about the virus. This is not about Mr. Lloyd. This is about needing to stay in power and regain power. This is all about the election. This all goes away one day after the election. All this stuff. 
And you believe anything else, you're believing a lie. We're being lied to. That's all I'm going to say about that. But God will open your eyes if you ask him to about what's going on. And it's maddening. And, that, and you, when you see this for what it really is, it brings you to prayer. Lord, stop these people. Expose these people. Judge these people. This is the kind of prayers that need to be coming from the church of Jesus Christ. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. These people are empowered by Satan to destroy our nation and to remove us from our freedoms. And this, people don't realize what's at stake here. A lot going on. Thankful, I think we pray. I believe at this point we have someone at the top. Two people at the top. One at the very top. That'd be God Almighty, who's on our side. And in this present administration, I think that's fighting for us. We have someone at the top, and we need to do our job on the bottom as Christians, and that's pray. We don't need to go out there and get involved in some of this stuff. Just our, our, The greatest weapon that we have right now is prayer. It really is. We can destroy these strongholds. This, you know, this is, as someone said a couple weeks ago, this isn't a cruise ship that we're on. We are on a battleship, and we are at war. Now, you think, well, you're kind of dramatic here a little bit, aren't you? Well, maybe. I care about my grandkids. I care about my children. And I care about the future. And unless something changes, we're in big trouble. But I'm, I'm of hope that God hears our prayers, and it's going to change. I see a change coming. Well, I'm encouraged. No weapon formed against us will prosper. When we pray and obey. I got to testify here. You know, this whole thing that's been going on for three months. You know, we really didn't know what was going on initially. Well, we've sort of figured it out now, right? I haven't missed a beat. The only thing that's really changed for us, Kathy and I, is you, uh, most of you aren't here on Wednesday night or Sunday morning. For a while now we're back and then it's kind of sparse in that in that because for whatever social distancing whatever my work hasn't i haven't slowed one one bit from my work it has not dissuaded me from what i know i'm supposed to do and i and i, I know that that's true of a lot of christians psalm 91 has been a great comfort for us no this pestilence will not come near you god is protecting his own these are the promises that we have not so with people who lived after the flesh. They're alienated from God because of the ignorance, not knowing the consequences of their sin. And the blindness here actually is the hardness of heart. That's what sin does. And if you take a steak, which many of you do, and throw it on a grill, it's raw. That's like, that's what your con, an innocent conscience is like raw meat in that sense. You, th- you throw raw meat on a grill and it, you hear that searing, as with a hot iron, well, that's what sin does to the human conscience. You no longer feel. That's why someone can put their knee on someone's neck and crush them and murder them. No feeling. The hardness of heart. Satan has blinded these people. You know, people don't like to talk about the devil. Well, I don't really like to give him any more credit, but let's just face it. Second Corinthians 4.3 if it, our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, 
lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. We don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's where we were as a Gentile, as a, an unbeliever, but now we see the Lord has shined in our hearts and we see the truth. We're not past feeling the idea of callousness, hardness of heart, as I said, sealed, seared with a hot iron. And that's what he says there at the end of that verse, given, having given themselves over to lewdness. And so this is what Paul actually talked about in Romans chapter 1. The idea of giving it over is to deliver someone to their sinful ways. They're no longer able to restrain themselves. People who give themselves over to alcohol. There comes a point where, okay, God says in so many words, okay, that's what you want to do. Go. That's your choice. And then he just lets them go. And they... At that point, that person has no ability to restrain themselves. Same with sexual sins, the same with other sins. You want to do that? God, you're free to choose, says the Lord. In doing that, you need to understand you're no longer in control. You'll become a slave to that sinful passion and appetite. Kind of scary, isn't it? For the believer, just like, don't open those doors. Don't even go there. That's what it should tell us. Given over to that, and then working in uncleanness, or the idea there is um, immorality. To work all uncleanness and with greediness. And that, what is greed? You never have enough. These people will continue to indulge themselves in whatever sin that they have chosen and they'll have it without restraint and they'll keep doing it, trying to find satisfaction. I mean, we're talking about some serious, serious bondage. I don't really like talking about that, but sometimes we need to be reminded of what we were and what if we wouldn't have repented and turned to God, how destroyed our lives would have become. Thank God for his mercy and intervening and opening our eyes, allowing us to be born again and healing us. We've been deprived of a lot of pain and suffering. Hallelujah. This is what he says, but you have not learned Christ. Christ doesn't work this way. Verse 20, you have not so learned Christ. Then he just gives us five things here of what we've learned in Christ. I love Paul. I love this little checklist of his, you know. You've heard the truth. That's why it's so important for us to witness. Tell people the truth. We heard the truth. And when what, what happened? We repented and we believed. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm turning to Jesus. We believe the gospel message. And then God brought understanding to us. We begin to see things from God's perspective. We were taught the truth. Thirdly, we put off the old man. We're no longer going to let that old nature dominate us or control us. Notice what he says about this. 
And this is why, uh, this is the truth you need to get a hold of. God didn't come to clean up your life. He didn't come to clean up your old man. There's only one sentence for the old nature, and that's the cross. Crucify it. See yourself nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. You got a sin or you got a hang up, got something that just doesn't seem to want to go away. See it nailed to the cross by faith. It's like Abraham. His body was dead. You're going to have a kid. Oh, right, okay, fine. Who against hope believed in hope. That's how you have to look at your issue. Who against hope. I just have no way of overcoming this. And you cry out for mercy and God, please help me. You know, hopefully you get to, you got to get desperate with some of these things in our life. Because it's never going to get better. It grows corrupt. You know, I hope, you know, by the time I get to be 50 or 60, you know, I won't have any problems with the old nature. <laughs> Not to discourage you younger believers, but I'm going to just give you a heads up. It don't get any better. <laughs> it does grow corrupt. More grace is given. More grace is given. That's what you have to look at. You're going to experience what you've experienced in now in overcoming. You'll continue to experience in whatever degree you need. No matter what state of life we are in, we have grace beyond measure. Mercy beyond measure. God is, the old man grows corrupt and it'll never improve and so we don't focus on that. I've just got to do better. No, you don't. You've got to just trust God. Well, I know I've got to quit doing it. Yeah, you do, but just bring it to the cross. Put on the new man. That's what he's saying. Because you're renewed. That's what he says there. Renewed in the spirit of your mind. You've got to put, that's referring back to the, it being our responsibility. It's all been provided. You've got to put it in there. You want to keep your physical body healthy? You've got to put good food in there. We are what we eat. We know that physically. We eat McDonald's and some of this other junk food. You kind of feel like junk food. Don't feel so good. <laughs> they eat this for, you know. What are you feeding your spirit? Or do you fast regularly? You fast your spirit regularly, you know. And he's a little scrawny little guy inside there. See the bones, you know. <laughs> no. You want a fat man inside there, man. You want to uh, feed that man. The truth, the word of God. That's what renewal, <clears throat> true righteousness and true holiness are the result of feeding and renewal of the man. And that's what he's talking about. Putting on the new man. The new man is what Peter called in Second Peter 1.4, the divine nature. <clears throat> so you see that there's no need to clean up the old man. You've got the divine nature. And now you have to let it c control you. You have to learn to submit to it. You have to learn to draw upon the power that's being delivered through God's spirit with, within. And it's just the way God made it to be. And when that is a reality in your life, then you never take credit for it. Man, I know what I would have done in that situation, you say to yourself. Because that, you know what your natural tendencies are. But you're no longer living after that. You're living after the power and you just can go about your business and walk in the victory provided. You know, some people think, man, you're really, you know, they, they may say to you, you're really good at overcoming temptation. Let me say this about that. Overcoming temptation 
is a reality in your life for the most part because you learn to avoid the situations that are going to lead you know lead you into temptation in other words if you're prone to certain things you stay away from there and then you don't have to exercise that muscle of overcoming temptation that's the discipline right there and that starts right here that's why the renewal of the mind is mentioned first here renew the mind put on the new man renew the mind put on the new man powerful truth Paul's laying down here and then simply if we're going to walk and make the faith, wise faith choices verses 25 through 32 is learning to simply yield to the Holy Spirit. You ever been like, you know, you're in a, you're in a situation that, you know, if you, you know, if you say something, it's going to be like throwing gasoline on the situation. It's going to be inflamed and this is going to get out of hand. And you think, yeah, I did, you just need to shut up here. Right? You ever had that little check? Then you decide to override that check and go, you know, well, I was thinking of... <laughs> shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's talking about. Learning to hear you you grow in that. Like, you know, I can see where this is headed. I'm out of here. Um, yeah, I'm not going there. So that's how, that's how that works. Verse 25 through 32. Therefore, as a result of what he said about 17 through 24, put away lying. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for members of one another. Be angry, and do not sin. Do not let your sun go down on your wrath. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole, steal no more, no longer. Rather let him labor, working with his hands, that which is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what you, what is good for the necessary edification, or the building up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by which whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So just so that you know what the new man looks like, Paul says, hello, here it is. These are the clothes you need to put on. This is what you need to, to understand and, and do. Like 11 things I think he lists here. Everybody has to deal with anger. That's simply an emotion. There's no sin in, anger, in the emotion of anger at all. Don't let it control you. Don't let it lead you to do something you're going to regret. What? Now, I experience anger on a daily basis for the most part. Probably most of us do. Uh, a lot of times it has to do with my work. You know, I start into something and and uh, it's not going quite right. And uh, maybe it's because I'm not really, in, in, you know, my mind's not really geared into it yet. I'm not quite focused like I need to. So I, I muff it up. I, I make a mistake. Oh! Well, that gets my attention. You know, that's what coaching, if you ever, if you ever had a good coach, <laughs> sports coach, you know, during practice, you just pretty much hate their guts. 
And they know how to, you know, a good coach knows the various personalities that he's working with. And he knows which buttons to push on each guy. I remember hearing this one coach talk about, to the, tell this one defensive back in particular, he says, you know, I, we're, um, you're not going to be guarding their number one this week because I've got another plan I think will work better. The guy is just totally offended. Couldn't say anything. Couldn't, no talking back to the coach. Coach, it's his deal. It's, he's in charge. But he was so mad. He went through practice and, you know, poor guys that came into his area didn't stand a chance, right? And that's exactly, the, that's exactly what the coach was after. That fire. Because when the game time came, he said, look, change my mind, you're guarding that guy. He was ready. But, you know, if you go through practice sort of nonchalant, you know, I've got this covered, I'm, I'm the guy, that me to cover their guy, and you get a little high on yourself, and you're, you don't you pay attention to the details. But when you're angry, that emotion is a good thing. It causes you to zero in on what you need to do. And we need to be angry with the sin in our life. When we cross that line, we need to, we need to be offended at what we've done. And I'm, I'm saying the Lord's not in this equation in that sense. It's like, this is what's right. We know what we've been taught, and we know better. Be angry, but don't sin. You know, and then you, 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 your focus comes in, right? You just, your focus is it's 20-20 at that point, right? So anger's, but you've got to deal with it. Don't let it. And if it's, if it's with another person who's done, you know, they've crossed the line, then you've got to speak to them. But you've got to do it lovingly. And don't carry it. That's what he's talking about. Things that happen today need to be dealt with today. Otherwise, guess who gets involved? <laughs> and you don't want any part with those guys. Those, those familiar spirits sent to us by the demon master to mess your life up. Don't give place to the devil. Don't, that's what it's talking about. Don't, don't open an opportunity. And then, you know, it gets real practical after this. Don't steal. Work. There's just something about working that's so important to us. I think that's why people suffer depression is because they're not working. And I'm, I'm not necessarily talking physically, but creating. God, we're, God, we're made in God's image and he's a creator. So to the degree that we're not using that creative ability in our life is to the degree that we can suffer depression and, and discouragement. We're not exercising. We're not moving in the work that we've been ordained to do and therefore uh, we're depressed. So there's something about working and then what we're producing should make it an, an extra that we can share with other people. And there's something about giving. You know, more blessed to give than to receive. We know this, right? And isn't does isn't it's an indescribable feeling, isn't it? When you give to someone, just no strings attached. Just hey, you, here, would you do you want that? Would you take this here? I have this for you. It's a it's, it's kind of addicting, actually. <laughs> I'd encourage you to go for that. You can open that door. Become a giver. And there are two kinds of people in this world. There are givers and there are takers. And I am constantly challenged to be a giver. It does not come naturally for us. We're selfish. We want and we think 
More blessed to receive than to give. That's what we think. That's not what God says. So that's a discipline. And you can do that through the Spirit. Right. How do we know we're really in the Spirit? Because we are able to guard our tongue. That's what he's talking about. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Watch your tongue. You know, catch yourself. Why do, ooh, I pay attention to what my, comes out of my mouth. Because what comes out of my mouth is, comes from where? Comes from the inner man. Exposed. Uh oh. I don't know if it's been offensive towards someone. I need to apologize to them. If it's just between me, you know, I'm just spotting off and thinking these thoughts and having this little dialogue. Because sometimes you just can't find intelligent conversation, right? So you talk to yourself. <laughs> that doesn't help, but you try. So if I, in those thoughts or in. In those expressions, if something is off, I have to apologize to God. I I know that's wrong, Lord. I I got a bad attitude right now. Please help me. That's how that works. You arrest your thoughts. You you are disciplined in your thought life. It'll take you a long ways down the road. Your joy will overflow if you really have a good discipline in this area. Don't grieve the spirit. Because, see, that's what grieves the spirit is when you say those things and you don't deal with them. You offend someone, you don't deal with them. You steal from somebody and you don't deal with it. You know, all these things, if we don't deal with them, it's a grieving of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to do that. Now, do you need an illustration of what it means to grieve someone? If you're married, that's really easy to figure that one out. Oh, I guess I shouldn't have said that to her, you know. <laughs> or I shouldn't have said that to him. He's, ooh. You know, well, we do that to God. Things that are off base, things that are out of line. You know, it's kind of like, the, it's almost like the Lord takes a step back, like, you going to deal with that? Do you realize just what's going on here? So you got a moment there, and it's a pause. And the best thing is like acknowledgement, confession. Okay, fine, we're good now. That's trying to illustrate what has to go on in this little dialogue in our spirits and our minds before God. And if you are not in the Word of God, refreshing your mind, you're just going to fall. This is what we do. We We just naturally fall back into these ruts. And then we wonder why we're not happy. Where's my joy? Well... What have I been? What have I been feeding on? Have I been exercising my? Have I been disciplined in my thought life? I've been disciplined in some of these areas. So you know, I've often said about life, it's just one big attitude adjustment after another. <laughs> here we go, right? So put away the bad attitudes that he lists here: bitterness, wrath, quarreling, evil speech, malice. He just don't want to go down those roads. On the other hand. And this is what's good. You're so busy doing the do's, you don't have time for the don'ts. Be kind. Don't you love kind people? I like having them over to my house, man. We have a lot of fun. You know, kind people. It's, God is kind. Do you look at God as being kind? There's nobody kinder than God. Kindness is a beautiful thing. Tender-hearted. The opposite of what we are by natural, by the natural man. Remember, he talked about up there past feeling, blindness of heart, hardness of heart, 
That's natural. We don't live that way. The Spirit of God makes us very sensitive and tender. And then he ends it off. He brings us right back to the basics. And this is where we end. Forgiveness. Oh, where would we be without forgiveness? Mm. I took a little longer tonight than I intended, but I think this is really powerful stuff. Father, we thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for that gift, Lord. Through the power of your Spirit, we can be kind, we can be tenderhearted, we can be forgiving. Because those are the attributes that you continually express to us every day. Thank you, Lord, for being so kind and good. And help us to be sensitive to your spirit and not grieve you. Help us to grow in grace, Lord. Bless your church. Fill us with faith. Help us to make wise faith choices every day. In Jesus' name, amen.